0: Let's continue on our lessons here of meeting with the King of Kings. Now, one of the things I want to bring to the forefront, and it's very important for us to note, in our generation, in our generation, it's not something that's easy to do, is to have the type of yirah, that we've been teaching in the last two lessons, okay? We understand that. It's not easy. This is something that's given down because it would be the ideal, but unfortunately or fortunately, wherever we hold, we're holding here now, in this generation, we're very... It's a a weak generation. We're we're, we're not of that 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 um I, I guess, at that level, everyone here, there's a lot of sensitivity in our generation because of everything that we've been through. so these these this these ways of coming to Yida, you know, of learning, let's say, um, for example, in um Chokmah, uh, Rashi, Chokmah and so forth. It's 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 not something that is suggested. Again, i you know we're teaching these lessons from Hagayon uh, Rabbi Itamar Schwartz, in which he mentioned that this will be the ideal way to achieve that Yira. Hacham uh, Itamar Schwartz, uh, you know, says that in our generation right now, it's not something that is easy for a lot of us to do. And because we're very sensitive and it's also a very weak generation. So we're not we're we're not there. We're not there for that. So, you know, just take that to note that that would be the ideal way of achieving real yidah is to really understand, you know, that fear of Hashem that we should have. And again, it's not a fear of Hashem, but we should understand, you know, Hashem. And when a person understands the essence of Hashem, what Hashem is and everything around that, he should know everything, you know, what's included in this world and what's included in the next and that gives us a different type of awe. And that is what the what uh, what um, Hagayoni Tamar Schwartz was trying to, to show us there. But again, he understands and he even says in our generation today, these, these are not practical for us to put in practice. And so I just want to put that out there. So those two lessons, the ones on Yira, you know, know them but it's not necessary that you go and you actually start to do that because unless you're able to handle it, it's, you know, it's not for everyone and it's understood and it's okay. So now let's talk about something that we all love to talk about, of course, because it's, now let's go to what it is to have loving Hashem, a havas Hashem. Okay, so until now, we discuss yira, We discuss yira. So with Hashem Sauset and Ishmael, in these coming lessons we're going to deal now with ahava and so we already mentioned also that some people uh should understand what yidah is at first and so another should first work on ahava depends on what's best for each person okay so ahavas hashem is a mitzvah in the torah and it says and you shall love hashem your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your resources. And we learn from here that each and every Jew is required to love his creator. And so as with all mitzvot, there are many levels to the mitzvah of loving Hashem. First, love can be either conditional or unconditional. Conditional love is the root of abodah of the Gentiles. As long as they receive blessing from the creator, they love him, assuming that they are on on the level to recognize him. And so the moment the blessing ceases, however, their love naturally wanes. And this is not the case with the Jewish people. We, we we read in the Talmud, if a Jew says, I hereby pledge this coin to, to charity on condition that my son will live and that I will merit eternal life in the world to come, he's a Sadiq. And Rashi explains the Jew naturally loves Hashan and he wants so to speak to give to him. So even if the desired result is not forthcoming, he talks it up to his own deficiencies. Finding himself in a similar situation, on the other hand, a Gentile will normally regret having made such a pledge in the first place. He's certainly ready and willing to contribute to a worthy cause on the condition, on the condition that he receives something in return. If all he gets is troubles, however, he balks. And So certainly unconditional love is more praiseworthy than conditional love. But you have to first start with conditional love and then rise to unconditional love. And each of us has, has both within us the capabilities and so let's try to develop on both of them conditional love requires an awareness that hashem is constantly showering us with gifts hashem said to moses i have a wonderful gift in my secret treasury that i wish to give to the children of israel it's called shabbat go and inform them we learn an important principle of the statement of hazal in order to love hashem israel had to know who was giving them this amazing gift called shabbat And to understand this, imagine a young man sitting at a table and someone brings him a glass of water to drink. So before he has a chance to notice who gave it to him, the benefactor disappears. He recognizes the fact that someone gave him the water and he's grateful for that, but he's in the dark. As to the identity of the benefactor, so therefore, at this point, he has no one on whom to focus his love. So similarly, a person sees a glass of water on the table and, and he even mistakenly assumes that he put it there himself five minutes prior So here, he certainly has no love for the one who bought the water because he doesn't even realize that someone else bought it there. So there are two levels of recognition. Number one, a person has to first realize that someone other than himself did him a favor. And number two, a person has to identify the benefactor. Without these two conditions, we lack the basis for even a conditional love. So if you want to develop conditional love for Hashem, you have to first realize that a human being on our own, we have nothing. We have nothing and then you must realize that all that you have is from hashem you must remember that hashem your god is the one who gives you strength hashem gives us the strength to do all that we do and so to illustrate this let's say a person buys an apartment for a certain amount and over the years the price doubles so a person feels that through his own intelligence or his good fortune mazal he became wealthy so he's mistaken. The Targum and the Pasuk quotes the above renders. You must remember that Hashem, your God, is the one who advises you to acquire property. So even if a person puts forth effort and it seems that the benefit came because he purchased something and the price rose, the truth is that Hashem is the one who ensured that he would profit on that particular extent. So a person has to first negate the notion that he helped himself and then he has to realize that Hashem is the source. And this needs thought because it's human nature to attribute 95% of our successes to ourselves and the only 5% to divine providence. And the truth is that in material matters, there is hardly any significant human input. Everything comes as a decree from above. Everything you have is from the creator, including the effort that bought the prophet. Even the ideas that led to it come from the creator. And that's how Hazal understood the pasuk. Who preceded me before I rewarded him? Who praised me before I gave him a soul and with to praise? Who made a guardrail before I gave him a roof? Who wrote a mezuzah before I gave him a home? Who made me Who made me zitzis before I gave him a garment? Who set aside the corner of his field before I gave him a field? Who set aside challah before I gave him dough? So the beginning is always from the Creator and everything beyond that is also dependent on Him. So we have to first eradicate the notion that we achieve something on our own. And then we're going to realize, of course, because it does, that everything only comes from Hashem. And so how do we reach this awareness? Now let's provide some examples to bring the idea home. A young man has just gotten married, so he should ask himself, who gave me my bride? So he might think that people suggested this special young lady based on the fact that she has certain good qualities. And so then he had a choice. He used it to choose his life partner, right? So this could be called the normal way to think of things, but he has to consider that a wise woman comes from Hashem. Even with all the right conditions in place, there is no guarantee that a person will find a spouse. And likewise, if a person is wise or wealthy, and that too is all from Hashem. As the Rambam writes in his letter to his son, Hashem impoverishes and makes wealthy. He brings low and lifts high. He gives wisdom to the wise. Every gift we have is from Hashem. Our good qualities do not belong to us. They come from the Creator and are still His. If a bank sends a message, a messenger from the main branch to another branch with on-guards to deliver, let's say, $100,000, no one would consider Him wealthy. He's just like a purse that's temporarily transporting money from one place to another. And whatever we have, whatever we have, whether it's wisdom, property, or any other advantage, it's not part of us. These are like garments that Hashem has lent for our use. He lent it to us, for us to use. All of these belong to Hashem. And He could take them back at any moment. So even while we still have them, there's no guarantee that we'll succeed with them. The race is not assured to the the swift. The war is not assured to the strong. Bread is not assured to the wise. And wealth is not assured to the intelligent. There is no guarantee that wisdom will bring wealth or that a fast runner will win the race. So when you consider this, you'll reach the awareness of Nachnuma. Nachnuma. we, what are we? And that's to say on my own, I'm nothing. And this is not yet inner humility, but a simple recognition that there is a master of the world who gives and controls everything. We're merely guardians over what we have. Our children are not ours. We only guard them. We are responsible for them. We have to return them in a condition perfect as possible. The body too belongs to Hashem. And it must be returned untainted. Even the neshama. The neshama is just a deposit as we say every day in our prayers and the shama you have placed within me is pure you created it you formed it you breathed it into me you sustained it within me and eventually you will take it from me and restore it to me in the ultimate future and when this is clear to you when only when this is clear you'll know that you have nothing of your own and so how do we attain this feeling so now let's continue with the same basic approach that we've been using throughout throughout all these lessons but make specific let's make it specific to this issue it's the same approach you may have a watch in your hand and you ask yourself is this mine or not the simple answer is that it's mine right because according to Chosen mishpat monetary laws if one would steal it he would be a thief and would have to return it so in that sense it's mine but what does that mean only that it is given to me as a deposit to use in service of my creator so it's written the earth and all that it contains is hashem's and yet it's also written the heavens belong to hashem but the earth he gave to the children of man and in the talmud rabbi Levi points out the obvious contradiction between these two verses and asks how the earth materially can belong to man if it if it's hashem's and he answers the earth and all it contains is hashem's Before we recite a blessing on the food we eat for whoever enjoys the pleasures of this world. Without a blessing and acknowledges that they they come from the Creator has misappropriated that which is sacred. He gave the earth to the children of man. After, after we recite a blessing. And clearly everything we have is given to us only as a tool for serving the Creator. If one is given a car by the company he works for, it's not his. It's just lent to him for the job. And so too a watch is only lent to you for serving a sham. Your ownership, according to Chosen Mishpat, lies in the fact that you should use it for serving Hashem. And in truth, nothing is yours. And again, it has been given to you only as a tool for serving Hashem. And so you can continue, right? How could it be that this watch is not mine? I worked and earned the money needed to buy it. But then you must develop your thought further. How did I attain that money? I worked, but how did I get the physical and mental ability to work? Did I create myself? Did I fashion my hands and brain? Only Paro thought in such a way. The nihilist mind. I am my own creator. So consider further. Who enabled me to get out of bed? I walk with my two legs. But who gave me the legs? Who gave me the intelligence to walk from the bed to the door? And some people have no intelligence. Has But some have it. But have no legs. Has So without legs, a brain, and feet, I couldn't go to work. And I couldn't do my job. So that money used for buying the watch was not really mine. I attained it because Hashem gave me the legs, the hands, intelligence, and a brain and sustains them all. I used his tools for getting that money so the money is his. And There's also no guarantee that just because you work, you'll get paid at the end of the month. Your own eyes see that someone can work an entire month and by the end of the month something happens. Either the factory closes down or that person is no longer alive to receive his check. So they're simple examples, these are, but there are. there's one lesson to learn. There is nothing that is really yours. There is nothing that is really yours. Not only your external acquisitions, but even your existence, your body, your wisdom, your feelings, and even your neshama are made and owned by Hashem, and He is the only master. And this kind of contemplation has to be extensive. Consider the objects in your house and your feet, hands, brain, and so on. Consider one thing after the other. Here's another example. You've been thinking, stop and ask yourself, how am I able to think? With what tool do I even think about my thoughts? I use the brain and the intelligence in it, but where do they come from? They are from Hashem, and there's no guarantee that He will give them to me a minute from now. So eventually you will attain an inner sense that all you have are tools belonging to Hashem. So how does one measure if a person has in fact attained this feeling? So there are many tests, but let's provide one simple guideline. A person suffers some kind of loss. And normally a person will get angry, right? Unless he's worked on a MUNA and believes that everything comes through divine providence. So it's true, of course, that such a muna will help. But according to what we have been saying here, there should be a completely different perspective. It will be as if one walks in the street and sees a cup that was knocked over with its water spilled. And then the person inquires about it and is told that the water rained in the cup three days ago and that it doesn't belong to anyone. So the person certainly won't be upset about the spilled water. But if a person is home and he bought some drinks and they spill and he can't obtain more because it's Shabbat, he's going to naturally get somewhat upset. So where does this feeling come from? He thinks, I bought drinks, I wanted to drink, and now I can't. So this person has to grasp the fact that these bottles are not his. In addition, he has to acknowledge the fact that even though they were in his possession a minute ago, it doesn't ensure that they must still be in his possession now. And on the contrary, a person will realize that he was only supposed to have them for a limited time. So even when you had them or when a person had them, it was only so that he could have peace of mind for serving Hashem properly. When Hashem decided that they should go or no longer be there, He took them back. So when a person sees things this way, you're going to feel that something has been taken from you, right? So it was it was never really yours. So just as you feel no loss when water spills in the street, so will a person feel no loss when things in his house are taken away. Everything belongs to the Creator. And there are people who have a hard time letting people use their apartment when they go away for Shabbat, right? They have a feeling of ownership. And this is an error, Beklal. Error, error. There is no real ownership. Our possessions are given to us for the service of the Creator. When we are using them, it's wonderful. But when we are not using them, we should let others use them. And of course, every situation is unique, but we're talking about the principle. There is no real concept of ownership. If you find it difficult to lend things to other people, you're upset when something is damaged, that's a sign that you don't live with the sense that these things are not really yours. And so you have to take this idea and really live with it. Besides the Ahavas Hashem, it's going to inspire, as we're going to explain. It will enable you to truly be detached from the material world. The feeling of ownership ties a person to the material world. And as you disconnect from the feeling of ownership, you come to relate to the whole world as if everything is like a disposable container. Even a disposable cup might be used ten times or more, but one doesn't get upset if it gets ruined, and you'll certainly throw it in the garbage. So we're not saying that you should be careless with your property. Yaakov Avinu values small jugs and he went back for them. But that value comes from the realization that it is Hashem who gives a person everything he has for use in his avodah. And he values them as a means for serving Hashem. So this avodah will take more than a month or two to complete. You have to work with this idea and overcome any sense of ownership. Whether of outer possessions like money in the home or of the bodily organs, even of your wisdom and feelings. And however, you have to repeat a point. that Let's repeat. So here, so you understand that we stated before in many lessons that this work doesn't take place in a vacuum. We we, we work together with the Creator. And you should not just say, Hashem gave this to me. This object belongs to the Creator. This is certainly true. But if this is all you're going to do, then you lose the simple closeness to the Creator. The proper way is that you should, after speaking to yourself, As mentioned before, speak directly to Hashem saying, who gave me this watch? Am I the owner or are you the owner? Is this house mine or yours? Is this object mine or yours? Is my energy mine or yours? Imagine that you're placing the entire world between yourself and the creator and say, is the world mine or yours? And in this way, you'll live in Hashem's presence. Otherwise, while detaching from acquisitions, you might lose the closeness to Hashem that you work so hard to attain. And even if you have not yet attained closeness, such words can bring it. If you're working to attain a level by contemplating and speaking to Hashem, besides the attainment of that level, you're going to attain closeness to Hashem. So there are three stages. Recognizing that everything is from Hashem, talking to Hashem about this, And asking to be able to really feel it. So, as long as you don't live with this feeling, it'll be difficult to attain love for Hashem. You're going to feel deep down to a certain extent that your hands, feet, mind, etc., are not gifts from Hashem. And you won't be able to sense the love behind the gifts. And so, we hear many wondrous stories about special divine providence, as Kahaprati, hundreds of such stories are circulated, many of them in print. It's difficult for a person who lives with minimal degree of inwardness to hear these stories for the simple reason that they actually take away from the proper relationship we have or to have with Hashem through the daily events of our lives. So instead of waking up and sensing that it is Hashem who enables one to stand up, some people make the mistake of thinking they see the Creator only when something extraordinary happens. And, and certainly one if one is far from emuna. And these stories can serve as first stage to get them to appreciate the concept of divine providence. But to stop there and build one's perspective on life based on such stories does a disservice to Hashem and His uninterrupted guidance of the world. The proper way to live is that just as you feel Hashem's guidance when special, miraculous events occur, so must you feel His guidance each day and each hour. With Dishmaya, with Hashem, with Hashem's help, and the following lessons, we're going to show you how, from recognizing, from recognizing, and Hashem will help bezat Hashem, how recognizing that everything is from Hashem, and bezat Hashem with Hashem's help, that He should give us a desire and the ability to see clearly how we can attain unconditional, conditional love of Hashem. וזאת השם ריבונו של עולם, והופס, ווסיית הדשמה, ברוק אדוני לעולם, אמן ואמן.